This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Today on Spooko, Peach, there's there's so many things I want to talk about. Um, And so many, like, cool... Good bits of fun news, you know, in the in our horror world, in the spooker world. But the first thing I want to do before we do anything else is just reflect on the hilariousness of Paranormal Activity that we did last week that was based on the fact that the creator moved into a house and heard some <laughs> scary noises and that inspired horror films. Now, at the time, I was like a little bit, you know, dismissive of it. But recently, Adele and I have been hearing this noise at night and we've discovered that it comes from the park across the road. It's the sound of the swings blowing in the wind. I went and recorded it last night because it's the scariest fucking sound. (laughs) I'm going to play it right now. And I want you to tell me about the spookiness of this sound. Now, just imagine that sound. You're lying in bed. There's no real other sounds except just that in the distance. I give it an eight and a half out of ten. Um, so, um, uh, Shag's alluding to the fact that I've been finding spooky images and using our Instagram account to... Uh, look, I'm doing a great job with that. Like, I'm finding spooky images and I'm rating them out of 10 for their spookiness. And I'm, and I'm trying to learn what, what, what spookiness is all about. And what's important here is that Peach is someone who actually gets spooked. So his ratings aren't like, oh, I see what you've done there. It's like, no, this is me getting spooked from this image. So you're giving that, that sound an 8.5 out of 10. And, and I'm a notoriously hard marker, as we've established. Like, eight and a half out of ten, that's an HD. That's, that's a serious mark. Um, All right, okay, cool, cool, cool. So, so I, look, I wanted to share that spooky sound to just get us into the flow of this. But today is all about, like, fun, good news in the Spooko universe. So the first thing I wanted to share is something that was uncovered on Twitter this week uh, <gasps> based on a film that uh, we... What possible fun, good Spooko news could there be? No, 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 Shake. no, no, no. Just temper your expectations. This, uh... is, this, this came up on Twitter this week. So a film that, for some reason, we talk about all the time but we've never actually done Event Horizon purely because it has like a really fun vision of hell even though I still think people can be a bit more imaginative of hell it can be more than just barbed wire and chains and crucifixions and stuff because as we've established after a couple of days of that you get used to it and it wouldn't feel like hell anymore but okay so Sam Neill is the main protagonist and as you discover towards the end antagonist of uh, Event Horizon he requested that his spacesuit, which had an Australian flag on the side, replace the Union Jack in the corner with an Aboriginal flag because he thought that's where we'd be in 2037, which is fucking cool. Sam Neill then got on Twitter and was like, I can confirm and I'd do it again, which I thought was so amazing. I think there's two things we need to talk about about that. Number one, he's not Australian. And I wonder if at the time <laughs> American studios were like, no one would know where New Zealand is. So Let's just call him Australia because they're basically <laughs> the same place. Fair point. Number two, do you see an appetite for changing the flag by the year 2037? Well, um, I don't want to give you a serious answer, <laughs> but I've just finished reading Stan Stan Grant's Australia Day, right? And and when I say reading, I mean um, listening to the audio book of because <laughs> like books are <laughs> books are not the are not the best medium for this podcast. Fuck books twenty twenty. That's our message. Yeah, books. Boo <laughs> boo. <laughs> um, but um, it sort of left me with this fairly desolate and glum feeling of like man, like it's been. 
232 years so far, uh, and we haven't come particularly far in reaching a sophisticated understanding of what it means that white invasion happened. And it doesn't strike me... Look, it, it strikes me that in 1996, when Sam Neill did that, I was like, oh, Sam, of course, you idiot. Like, we're about to be a republic. Like, that'll be our flag right. from, we're like, 2001. We're not even a republic anymore. Like, we're not even a republic. No one's even... Talk- Everyone's like, nah, we still need the queen. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so if you asked me in 1996, I'd be like, oh, I'm pretty sure it happened last week, you guys. Just like, let's all relax. And now, you know, as the world burns around us, I'm like, oh, fuck, we are further than ever from coming to a sophisticated understanding of what it means to be the, um, be the descendants of um, the conquerors and the conquered when neither role is properly understood. And so I'm super glum and super pessimistic, and I think Sam Neill's wrong to expect <laughs> it to happen by 2037 now. It's it's sad times. Um, and we've still got to defund the police as well, so heaps to be done. All right, okay, so from a piece of good news that, you know, maybe turned into a very serious conversation <laughs> to a very good piece of good news... Peach, yes, I'm not this go- is Resh's related. Uh, Surely this is Resh's related. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let Adele tell you. <gasps> like you, I've been listening to Peach try to manifest a sponsorship from the Aussie beer Resh's for about 40 episodes now. And I realised he was going about it the wrong way. So I decided to help by being a bit more pragmatic. My first attempt hit a dead end. It felt like Resh's were ghosts and had no real internet presence online. So after getting no luck finding a contact from Resh's anywhere online, I went up a level to the company that owns Resh's, Carlton United Brewery. With a little bit of digging, I came across the email of someone who could help. So I sent this email. Hi there. I wasn't too sure who to email, but I wanted to get in touch to let you know about a Sydney-based podcast called Spugo. The podcast has been around for a couple of years and I'm an avid listener. It's a podcast about one of the two presenters, Shag, reading a Wikipedia synopsis of a different horror movie each week to his co-host, Peach. Peach is deathly afraid of scary movies and they are sort of using this method as exposure therapy in the hope that one day he might be able to watch a scary or spooko movie. I wanted to get in touch because it's become a bit of a running joke that they are trying to get Resh's beer to sponsor them. Peach loves Resh's beer more than most things and is always giving Resh's a good rap. In their hunt for sponsorship from Resh's Beer, without actually really doing anything at all, except for talking about it on their podcast, so far they have been given a long neck of Resh's by a local craft liquor store called P&V Liquor and have been sent a case from a long-time listener. I just thought it would be fun if I reached out and told you of their plan to get sponsorship. Anyway, if you have the chance, you should give the podcast a listen. At the end of every episode, they also give Resh's a shout-out. It's become quite a thing. After I sent this email, I got nothing. So I sent a follow-up, and to this, I got a simple reply. Hi Adele, CCing in Hugh from Resh's, who should be able to help. Hugh! We had finally made contact with Resh's, and his name was Hugh. The best part? Hugh replied. Thanks Adele, would be honoured to provide the guys with a couple of cases of the new Resh's Pilsner Silver Bullets. Thank you, Resh's. So, (laughs) yes, I think it was episode six. I think it's been, I think it's been 48 episodes. Shag, like a couple of weeks ago, I was like, let's do a bit about how it's over for Reshers and we're going to find some small breweries. And I was just about to chuck in the towel. And Gary Vaynerchuk always says it could be the next one. And this is such, such a, um, Oh, what's the word? Like, not validation. You know the word I'm after. Shag, this must mean that you should always put your faith in the Lord Gary Vaynerchuk, who will always deliver rashes to you if you whinge about it and talk about it enough. This is a victory for Gary Vaynerchuk, a victory for rashes, and a victory, most importantly, for you and me and the spookanauts out there. I'm so excited about this. I always forget that you're in a cult, but yes. Um, <laughs> every now and then you remind us. So there you go. Yeah, man. 
Join my cult. Well, no, don't actually. Yeah, like, no. It's a, it... no, <laughs> no. Stay out of there. No, no, Shag, no. I can't believe we did it. I can't it's believe so you good. did it. Adele did it. It, it. Like, this is all Adele. This is all Adele. Uh, all praise to Adele. Well, we did one. some of it. Like, we, like <laughs> Pitch, fucking, we've been shouting it out for, Pitch, for a while. Pete, you literally did nothing. You said, I'd like to be sponsored by Rachel one day. You, that was it. And then you said that a couple more times. As Gary Vaynerchuk would say, you have to ask. I asked. It was good. (laughs) Another victory for privileged white guys. Finally. (laughs) Finally things start turning our way. And look, the final cool bit of news in the Spooker universe, and this relates to the film we're going to do today. So we've had so many great suggestions of films to do. Now, a lot of those films are like, I see the suggestion and I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot about that. Yes, of course we should do it. But then other films... I think, you know what? I've never seen this. I wonder why they're suggesting it. And today's film came from... Uh, Look, sorry, sorry. Like, do they need my address or anything like that? Are we, like, is it on its way? Or is it, it like, is it sitting at the front door right now and I should go check? Or? It, it's sitting at my front door. So I've got two cases. So oh! somehow you're going to have to get them from me because I'm not fucking sending a case of beer to your house. <sighs> Yeah, where do you work? Yeah, can you bring them to your work and I'll collect them from your work? I think we could probably do it that way. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Like, are they light? Like, they're silver bullets, hey? They're aluminium. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. You can do that. Oh, sick, McGlick. Sorry, yes, yes. This week's video suggested on Instagram. All right, so, 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 so. So many great suggestions. Fuck, um, I'm going to drink so many of them. So many, so quickly. So, <laughs> so this suggestion comes from uh, Ruby Rose Miles, been on two episodes. She was on the Halloween episode and she was on the Vast of Night episode. And she's like a scaredy cat like you, Pete. She is absolutely yeah, gets spooked. Much love, Ruby. This, she was like, this is one of the few films that I could do. And to be honest, it's one of those films that I always overlooked, which I think happens in the horror genre. Because as we've said before, there's so many interesting things that come out of the horror genre, but there's an overwhelming amount of just dross that nobody should watch and, you know, is very formulaic. And I guess I put it into the latter because of the way it was marketed. And what's interesting is it was marketed wrong for what it actually is. And that's why I'm so excited about it. So Sick. I watched this film last night with Adele. It's a polarizing film, but I feel like it's a film more people should see. I'm actually more excited the more I think about it, the more I read about it, because it is actually fucking cool and does not go the way I expected. So I want to shout out to Ruby for today's suggestion. A super sick teen horror comedy coming of age, but very gory film. Uh, Today's film from 2009 is called Jennifer's Body. Sick! Hey, Jennifer. You look really pretty. Why don't you just come by my place? Well, this is random. This isn't really your house, is it? We can play mommy and daddy. No way. We always share your bed when we have slumber parties. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. I only murder boys. I go both ways. Oh my god, the soundtrack! Did you see how it closed off with being like Panic at the Disco, <laughs> Dashboard Confessional, and like and how deeply emo like Ooh. her first victim was? It was awesome. The promise ring. I'm sure the promise ring and like brand new and shit would be oh, like would be all that's part of pretty this brand vibe. new being re- like pretty much all of those bands have been me too as well, which is hilarious. Oh, what happened with Brand New? Oh, did, did every brand single, new... like literally every single emo punk band that was popular, had a predatory lead singer. Every single one. Like I can't, I can't think of one that that came out of this unscathed because they were all because they all had terrible like internet like fandoms that were very young women. And isn't actually now that I think about it, the whole nature of emo like toxic masculinity? Oh, hugely. Isn't it like a real, like, I deserve to, like, have sex because I've written in my diary heaps, like, a sort of bullshit, like, oh, Jenny broke up with me. Like, yeah, okay. All right. So, 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 yes, the the soundtrack. And there's one thing I want you to ask. I want you to remind me about the soundtrack when we get to the end of the film, if I don't talk about it, because there's one very specific thing about the soundtrack. But, yes, it has, like, a real, like... Uh, emo vibe to it. I noticed like a Motion City soundtrack poster on one of the <laughs> people's bedrooms. Were they um? Were they like everything is alright? Right. 
the devil. Tell me that you're all right. Yeah, great song. Um, there's also one of those moments where, and this is like a little bit of a segue. Also, I just discovered that segue is spelled S-E-G-U-E. U-E, I know. What the fuck? All right, that Hugely was... Hugely agree. Insane, Hugely right? agree with you. Insane, but little bit of a segue, but based on that, there's a moment in the film where one of the emo characters is listening to a pop punk cover of a song. And do you remember thinking that, like when you're a teenager, thinking that music could not get better than taking an old classic or a standard, like, you know, somewhere over the rainbow, or, you know, in this case, I can see clearly now the rain is gone, but making that a pop punk song. So it's like, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Chicka, chicka. And like being like, music can never be. Could you remember that feeling? I remember in 1997 when we were 13 or 14, when the living end covered Tainted Love. And I was like, oh my gosh, will there ever be anything as cool as the living end covering Tainted Love? So, so, so music and specifically like teenage emo music. So, because obviously this was like this was the the end of the noughties is a big part of this film. But like I said, there's a very specific you know musical point I want to make. So please remind me to do it if I don't do it towards the end of the film. Music, 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 soundtrack, soundtrack, soundtrack. So next point about this, the cast of this film is fucking insane. So Megan Fox, obviously, you know, like an actor who's since been reevaluated, uh, you know, as as being treated pretty poorly, you know, in her career, plays the this lead role. This is the Transformers. This is the Michael Bay yeah. is a fuckwit sort of movement. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. Amanda Seyfried, or Seyfried, I never quite know how to pronounce that, plays the, like, dowdy best friend. Why do we know her really, really well? Like, I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's young blonde woman who we know well. She has been in so many films. Let me just read, you know, a few classics from her um, oeuvre. Was she in It Follows, perchance? Uh, let me get the... I don't think she... I don't think she... I don't think It Follows had the money to have someone like her in there. No. Because she was in Mean Girls. She was in Mamma Mia. She was in uh, the Red Riding Hood reboot. She was in Les Miserables, or however you pronounce that. Um, she was no, you got it right. She that's, was in Ted Two and A Million Ways to Die in the West. So she was in like two Seth MacFarlane films. Gross. Um, she's been in like she's been in like I'm looking at her filmography. There's like 40 films in here. She's one of those classic actors where she's been in heaps. You know her from stuff, but press you wouldn't be able to name them yeah like if you saw her in the street you'd be like oh it's a famous person and you know and and you wouldn't be able to pin it down yeah i get it i get it all right so adam brody aka seth cohen from the oc is in it are you serious wait 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 it gets more insane so amy sedaris is in it um jk simmons plays a teacher with a hook again jk simmons if that name isn't immediately ringing a bell i want you right now get on your phone google jk google image search jk simmons you'll be like oh my god of course it's jk simmons. straight up look jk simmons. simmons oh it's um uh uh spider-man newspaper editor yeah. <laughs> and finally and he's only in it for a scene. So when we get to the bar where they're seeing a band play, yeah. make sure I mention Chris Pratt. So this is Chris what? Pratt pre-Parks and Recreation playing a jockey himbo sort of hunk again. So I love that he started out as like playing like a super masculine all-American hunk. Then went and was like a bit of a chubby like idiot in Parks and Rec. And then went back to that role when he joined the Marvel Universe. Oh, that's so exciting and fun. Okay, sick. Oh, like Chris Pratt, I don't think he's actually been cancelled in a traditional sense. But the more you learn about him in his personal life, the more you're like, I think you're a very bad bloke. Like, deeply a bad bloke. I think he's just like, I think, isn't he like a Hillsong Christian? And it's yeah. like, if Justin Bieber gets a pass for Hillsong, then it's like, surely he's okay. I just don't want to be friends with him or have any of my friends be friends with him or <laughs> spend any time looking at him on a screen. All right. Okay, okay, okay. So... The music is a big part of it. The cast is a big part of it. It's a very 2009 film. You know, like, there's lots of references to let's go watch DVDs and, like, <laughs> bands make money by putting out music, like, stuff like that. Like, it's very much... And it, it's crazy to watch it and be like, I can't believe how much the world has changed in 11 years. 
Look, we keep coming back to the Onion's perfect copy. There was a very recent one of like Spotify announces hundred dollar distributed to artists. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, and then, finally, and this is the coolest part because I don't think this has ever happened in a Spooko film to date. In all fifty four episodes, this has never happened. This is the first time it's happened, and it's crazy. It happened in two thousand and nine. The film actually name checks Wikipedia. At one point, they're oh, like, "You don't know sick. this? Why didn't you look it on you Wikipedia?" And I'm like, "No way! That's the thing that we do in our podcast." And that's it was like oh. everything came full circle. No wonder Resh, like no wonder Reshes has joined the team. This is the perfect one to join the team. <laughs> Welcome, Reshes. A case a week from now would be handy. I'll give you my postal address, and we can divide. So, so Shag and I each get one a fortnight. That's probably that's probably fair. All right. Okay. So let's do this. So this is Jennifer's Body from 2009. Now, as I mentioned before, mm. this is a film that was marketed poorly. It was marketed as a bit of a like fun teen sex romp, and it was sort of marketed towards dudes because Megan Fox was the lead, and that makes no sense and it you as you go through it it'll it'll make no sense to you but it was written by Diablo Cody who wrote Juno and in fact this was the film that came after Juno which is insane when you think about it <laughs> and because of that from a 16 million dollar budget it only made 31 million dollars and when you put in marketing it probably lost so so much money so you can mm. see why it was considered a flop but in recent years so it's taken quite a few years in recent years it's gained a bit of a cult status and like I said as we go through this film I think you'll see that if this film came out now if this was like a Netflix movie in 2020 people would be frothing over it it would be there would be so many memes about it so anyway let's get into this okay so Jennifer's Body from 2009 so we start with Anita Needy Less Nikki so her name's Anita Less Nikki but um, we see that she has a nickname called Needy So she was once an insecure and studious teenager living in Devil's Kettle, Minnesota. Now, this is cool. This is a real place in Minnesota called Devil's Kettle that they talk about. And essentially, it's a waterfall. But at the bottom of the waterfall is like, I I guess, like like a whirlpool that goes down. And what they sort of say is at the start is it's called the Devil's Kettle because people throw like ping pong balls down there. People like throw different stuff down there and it never comes out anywhere. And so the assumption is that it actually goes down to hell. Sick. That's where she lived, like, just two months ago. But right now, she's a violent mental inmate in, like, a pretty, like, full-on... Horror movie-style mental asylum. Horror movie-style mental illness, like, prison-slash-asylum. And she's narrating the story. And, it's like, she is the voice of this film. All through the film, she's a narrator. And... She basically talks about how the fact that she's doing all these things she never saw herself doing, like the fact that she's a kicker. And that's revealed when she's like sitting at the window in the mess hall where everyone's having their lunch. And like a really kindly, I guess, sort of prison, maybe psych comes up to her and says, I see you've only eaten this one sort of Pop-Tart. I don't think that's enough for your nourishment. I think you need to eat more. And the violence is shocking. She just kick, like it's so shocking. She just kicks this woman immediately in the face. This woman goes flying across the room. We see blood and teeth come out of her mouth. Like it's full on. Okay. And so then she gets sent to solitary confinement. Now we then sort of go back to how we got here. So since childhood, she's been friends with Jennifer Check, who's a popular cheerleader. But despite the fact that they have little in common, and there's that's a bit of a theme that goes through the film that it's like they don't have heaps in common, and maybe they're not the best friends. Like maybe Jennifer's like a bit of a dick to her because she's a nerd and she just likes having someone around. Fuck. Now one night, Jennifer decides to take Needy to a local dive bar to attend a concert by an indie rock band called Low Shoulder. And I think that is like such a classically hilarious name for an indie rock band. That's a really good name for an emo band. And especially for like a 2009 band as well. <sighs> yeah, because Glass, Glassjaw sort of got big in like 04, 05 or something like that. And it's, yeah, it's such a good scriptwriter's riff on that. Yeah. Now, now it's important to note, there's a few interesting things that happen when they're at this dive bar. So, number one, they run into Chris Pratt, 
in his only appearance in the film. Now, it turns out he's like a deputy at the local police force and Jennifer seems to be having some sort of a on and off again fuck buddies relationship with him, but she's doing it for a reason. Like, he seems to be a bit into her, but she's a bit like, whatever, I'm Jennifer, I can get anyone I want. She also sees another dude from like the, you know, the local, I'm guessing football team because he's wearing the classic, you know, American like football jacket. And he makes a pass at her and she's basically like, I think it's funny that you think you're hot enough for me. And then he's like super dejected and it's like classic. <laughs> That's such a good line. <laughs> but, 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 but. So they're there to see this rock band and Jennifer's like wants to make a pass at the lead singer. Because she's basically like, we don't have cool guys like, you know, like him in our small town. And they never quite say, you know, like what the city is. But they're like, he's from the city and he understands stuff. Now, that lead singer is Adam Brody, a.k.a. Seth Cohen from the OC. And they have a bit of a interaction where she's basically like, oh, maybe we should like chat. Like she's basically just like super comes on to him and he's like, "Mm, yeah, maybe. (laughs) And then when she leaves to go to the bar to try and get them drinks... Our uh, main character, Anita Needy Lesnicki, overhears the bandmates talk about how the fact that there's always a girl like that in, in a small town like this. She's super hot, but she's almost definitely a virgin. And they talk about the fact that her being a virgin is very preferable. Oh, and bloody hell. So, okay. this, so is then Anita... this is taking a bit of a turn. Okay. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're definitely like creeps. So Anita then basically like confronts the band to be like, um, that's my friend you're talking about. Then tries to confront Jennifer being like, hey, these dudes are fucked. Like they were just talking about you being a virgin. Like, and then at this point, Jennifer reveals, she's basically like, I'm not a virgin. And then she makes a line. It's like, I'm not even a backdoor virgin since old Sergeant. Whatever. Like, it's like the, the, like, like like she's basically like, yeah, anyway. So, so that happens. But that doesn't deter Jennifer who still is keen on this lead singer. So they go to the front and they start to watch this band play. And basically the music of this band is basically Dashboard Confessional. (laughs) It's very soft, overwrought, sort of 2009, where like Indian emo sort of clashed over for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they're basically uh, a softer version of the bravery to anybody who was listening to music (laughs) in the noughties. Now... While this first song is being played, a really suspicious fire happens that starts on stage while the band's playing, but immediately spreads to the rest of the venue. Now, this is one of those old dive roadhouse bars, which I would imagine doesn't have a very good fire plan, is probably not very, you know, fire resistant, and it basically becomes a death trap. So again, because this is a horror movie, now remember, like it feels like a teen coming of age movie, but every now and then there's these moments that snap you out and go, oh yes, this is a horror movie. And there's basically a Final Destination-esque scene where all of a sudden people are on fire and, you know, beams come down and crush people underway. Ugh. And there's, there's, no, there's no sort of sparing us images of people dying in this bar. Sick. So anyway, so afterwards, so Anita, like Jennifer's like a little bit in shock, but Anita helps her get out through the the gross toilet window. And while they're sitting outside, Adam, aka the leader of the, you know, Adam Brody basically comes up to them and is like, wow, crazy night. I think we're all in shock. Hey, Jennifer, I think you should come in our, you know, van, which will make you feel a lot safer. And Anita's like, what? What the fuck? No, 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 we need to go home. And Jennifer's like, no, 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 I think I'll go with this band. So Jennifer then gets in the van with this band. Adam Brody gives a really spooky, like, see you later to Anita. And then they leave. Uh, She's leaving with the whole band. Uh. Yeah. So then Anita gets really freaked out. She goes home. She calls her boyfriend, who's been introduced before. uh, And we see that Jennifer kind of is just a bit like, oh, who's this guy? And his name's Chip. And he's like a bit of a, like, he's a bit of a doofus. And he's like, none of the dudes in this film are good. Like, it is very much a female-focused film. Like, it's directed by women. It's, it was written by women. And all the main characters are women. And the men are basically plot devices or victims, which is an interesting flip in a, you know, like of horror movie tropes. Yeah, I'm about that. But basically she calls him and she's like, oh my God, Jennifer's gone. And he's like, whatever, who gives a shit? Like she just went with some dude, like some like losers in a rock band. Who cares? So she is just distraught. And then she gets his knock at the door. 
And this is where, and again, it's like this film, like it stops being a horror movie and then it starts being a horror movie. So she goes down and she opens the door and there's no one there. And then there's one of those classic shots where we're, we're, we're the camera from outside looking in and we see her trying to look and we just see like the subtle shadow of something moving behind her in the hall. And it's pretty freaky. And she slowly makes her way through the house into the kitchen where the tap's been turned on and she turns off the tap and she turns around and there's Jennifer, right? Like right in her face. Jennifer is looking still in shock. She is like covered in blood. There is blood all over her. It's all over her clothes. It's especially all over her face. (laughs) And then Jennifer slowly makes a little smile. And then at that point, she's like, I need something to eat. And she goes to the refrigerator. <laughs> this is this is a real horror movie trope that I feel is unrealistic in that there's always a barbecue chicken or if you're in the States, a rotisserie chicken, like a whole one just sitting in the fridge, right? Uncovered, drying out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Huge agree. And to show that people have become like a bit strange or animalistic or whatever, they pick up the whole thing and just like bite into it like it's an apple. Yeah, yeah, it's just a strange thing. Like, it is a bizarre trope. Like, hungry as you are, like, the reason you don't let dogs eat cooked chicken bones is they splinter and get jammed in your gums and jammed in your throat. So you've still got to look after yourself. Self-care first. So she tries to eat it, but then immediately vomits this, like, black, thick... They describe it as spiny liquid because it almost has these, like, CGI like spines like it feels like it's almost alive like she vomits it all over the ground and then leaves and Anita's like what <laughs> the fuck <laughs> so the next morning they go to school and Jennifer appears like better than she ever has and it's just totally chill and completely fine and Anita's like uh, what the fuck happened last night? And she's like, you idiot, nothing happened. What? Like, we're like, basically perpetuating their relationship where she's basically constantly nagging her and putting her down because she's the alpha and Anita's the beta. At this point, we realise that the town is devastated by the deaths caused by the fire. So I think what's clever about this is, like, in most horror movies, there'll be, like, six people die and the rest of the town's like, well, like, who cares? Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. But it's here, like, the entire town, as you would, it, it, it becomes a place of mourning. And, you know, J.K. Simmons does a really good turn where he comes in as the teacher and just describes how, like, people from, like, you know, classmates that they knew died in this fire. And, you know, it, it's just been tough on everybody. So while this is happening... Jennifer decides to seduce the school's football captain. So we have we have this moment where she goes up to the school's football captain who's just standing looking mournfully on the field because you remember his teammate was in the bar that died because he made a pass at Jennifer. So she goes up to him and she makes this call where she's like, I was actually the last person to talk to your teammate. And he's like, really? And she's like, yeah. And weirdly, the one thing he said was that we should be a couple. And he's like, he said that? And she's like, isn't that weird? And like, she's being like very like saucily coming onto him. And he's like, okay. So she drags him into the nearby woods. Now, while they're sort of like kissing in the woods, all of these animals just come out of nowhere, start to watch them. And it's just this weird moment. I don't think it's really quite explained, but it's it's this strange moment that just adds to the fact that he's slowly becoming more and more unnerved. He's like, why are we doing this? To the point where... She then pushes him violently back on a tree and we see from his perspective these giant teeth come out of her mouth and she goes to swallow... Like, she goes to, like, basically gorge at him. Sick. We then cut to outside the forest. His screams are heard, like, all around. J.K. Simmons is on his way to his car, so he walks in and then he uncovers the body which has been completely disemboweled and you see just sort of guts everywhere and one of the deer that were watching them make out is now just licking at its blood and like eating <laughs> eating his innards. Is this a fun movie? Like I feel like I could watch this. Oh, it is so fun and I think you should watch this film. So while this is like while like so this is this is another death and this you know this just aids to the the town being a town of tragedy. But what happens is while this is happening, because Low Shoulder were in the bar that night, 
they almost become like a symbol of hope for the town and for America. And all of a sudden, Low Shoulder become this hugely successful band. And their song, Through the Trees, that they were playing that night, becomes like a bit of an anthem for the town. And, you know, I, I guess an anthem for the movie as a whole. Like it becomes like a bit of a, like a, a bit of a mechanic for the movie to like to keep coming back to. And they, and they also reveal that they are going to be giving 3% of every sale from that single uh, will go back to help people who are, you know, hurt in the town. And Anita makes a point that's like 3% is not much. What the fuck? But everybody's like, um, uh, these guys are heroes and 3% heaps and like, shut up. Basically, there's like, Anita, the whole film is gaslit, not just by her partner and Jennifer, but by the whole town. She's the voice of reason being like, what the fuck is going on? And everyone's like, no, this is completely normal. Bloody hell. So a month later, Jennifer becomes really pale. So she's gone from being like the it girl in school, you know, like those classic shots of like the hot girl walking in slow-mo through the school hall. She goes back to looking very pale, looking, you know, like a little bit washed out. As Anita puts it, it's like she starts to look ugly, but for Jennifer, which is still like insanely hot. Um, So she decides to accept a date with the school goth emo Colin, who you saw in... The, uh, in the trailer who has the skinniest uh, scarf you've ever seen and those scarves that they were they were stripy skinny scarves that you would wrap around your neck multiple times and he is wearing one of those he also has one of those lip rings like right at the front Glug. which I just still find so fucking gross <laughs> so she invites him on a date but where she invites him I guess it's like an abandoned housing development so he basically drives to the end of this abandoned housing development where he sees a light on in the top window. He goes upstairs to find like candles set up everywhere and he's a bit spooked. And she's like, I thought you goths loved like death and, you know, scary stuff, which is a hugely good point. Like, <laughs> I think she's like, no, you should. Why aren't you into this? But anyway, she also proceeds to kill him. Uh, in a really gross way. And she makes a point at this point where she's like, I need you to feel hopeless. Uh, like, as, because she scares him heaps before he, like, she basically is like, you are going to die and it's going to be painful. And once he's about to die, then she does the same thing and she's like just basically tearing his insides out and just slowly <laughs> eating at it. Now, at the same time, there's this weird sort of, uh, I, I, there's an event happening at the same time where Needy and her boyfriend Chip are having sex for the first time. And it's this classic coming-of-age sort of awkward sex scene which is happening at the same time as Jennifer killing this guy horribly. And so they keep cutting between the two. And I guess halfway through, Needy has this feeling like something's wrong and she sees blood dripping from the ceiling. She sees the dead victims of Jennifer at the end of the bed and she's like, we've got to stop, we've got to stop. And she pushes him off him. And because Chip's like a gross, like high school boy, he's like, oh, w w was I too big? And it's like, <laughs> shut up, Chip. <laughs> and she realizes something's wrong. So she leaves the house really quickly and runs out onto the street where Jennifer jumps on her car windshield, breaking it. And Needy's like, what the fuck? Like reverses suddenly to get rid of her and then just drives off. This is fun. I'm having heaps of fun. Now, she comes home to find that Jennifer's in her bed. Now, Jennifer's all cleaned up and Jennifer is looking amazing again. She's gone from looking pale to looking amazing. And she explained what's, what happens when Low Shoulder took her in the van that night. Now, I think they do a really good job of like, of like diverting what you think's going to happen. The whole way through the film, you're like, oh, okay, now she's a vampire. And like, even when they take her off in the van, you're like, oh, okay, well, these are, these are fucked up dudes and they're all going to gang raper and that's what's going to happen right because that is what we usually expect to happen in these sorts of things and there's even a moment where we go to the flashback and she's in this van with all of these dudes and she's like are you guys rapists and they're basically like oh my god i'm so sick of people asking us that jesus no we're not but she notices around the van there's all these like occult and satanic symbols so there's like skulls there's like goat horn there's like pentagrams and it turns out what they're going to do is they're going to violently sacrifice her to get success for their indie band. Oh, sick. Okay. So, so they found an, uh, like a, a, an occult incantation where they can sacrifice a virgin and as long as they sacrifice like a virgin to Satan, he will give them whatever they ask for. So they basically 
tie her to this rock they that's right next to the devil's cattle. And what's she doing this time? Like she knows it's going to fail because she knows she's not. She's like, oh yeah, like that's well, how she this doesn't, goes. Well, the thing is, she doesn't know that they have to sacrifice the virgin. She just thinks she's being sacrificed. And it's this weird scene where it's both played for laughs, but also horrific. In which they tie her up. Like Adam Brody makes a few Seth Cohen jokes because he's basically Seth Cohen, but a evil Seth Cohen who also fronts a band. And he's basically like, do you know how hard it is to make it as an indie band? This is the only way we're going to do it. So they say this incantation and then he takes this knife and just stabs her heaps in a frenzy. And it's pretty awful. And then he throws the knife down the devil's kettle. Now, although that the sacrifice was a success, because she wasn't a virgin, she woke up and she made her way back to the house. And that's where she saw Needy that night. When is, she that, came is that right? So if you've Needy. had sex, you survive a violent stabbing? Well, wait. Well, okay. wait, 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 wait. Okay. Lucky so, for me. <laughs> now- <laughs> So on her, now on her way, she encounters one of the students who made it out of the fire. But after a little chat, she realizes that no one knows that this student made it out of the fire. So at that point, she attacks and kills and disembowels this student. And that's why she's super amazing and like hot for the first part of the film. Because she's basically like, as long as I eat someone, I'm fine. And then I get a bit hungry and then I have to eat someone again. And Sick. Anita's like, holy fuck, this is insane. But anyway, so Jennifer then leaves and she leaves by jumping out the window. Jen- and Anita looks out the window and can't see her. So the presumption is she can like teleport or fly or do something now. So she's like, she's basically super powered. So the following day, Needy goes to the school's library occult section. And Adele made a really good point when we were watching this where it's like, in every horror movie, you go to a library and they have this awesome selection of like ancient Sumerian satanic <laughs> Bibles that have not just like exactly what's happening, but the incantations you need to say things, which I think is a, I mean, that is a trope I definitely remember from Buffy, but like is in pretty much every satanic film. You can just go to a library and look up books on like, and who the fuck's writing these books? Who's cataloging these books? How do they fit yeah. into the Dewey Decimal System? Yeah, which which Dewey Decimal number is it? <laughs> the librarian rolling their eyes like, yeah, yeah, fucking satanic books. It's down the back so by by going to this section though she looks it up and she realizes what's happened right so when a virgin is sacrificed but they're not actually a virgin the sacrifice is still a success but the virgin then becomes possessed by a demon and they have to keep consuming human flesh to keep the demon happy and alive so she's like fuck okay so jennifer's jennifer's body is not jennifer's anymore it belongs to a demon and if she's weak we need to kill her because otherwise she'll just keep killing people i'm with it i'm about it meanwhile the dance is coming up and chip is like well i invited us to the dance and anita's like we can't go to the dance it's going to be basically like a smorgasbord for jennifer chip basically gets a bruised male ego and is like oh fine like whatever like and and just gets pissed (laughs) off and Anita's like, please promise me you won't go. And he's like, I'm not going to promise you because we're not together. So anyway, she's like, oh, for fuck's sake. What? Did they break up because his penis was too big <laughs> in his mind? Ah, <laughs> oh, bloody hell. So anyway, so Chip decides to attend the dance anyway. And Anita decides to go. And they have like, because it's like, again, like a weird mashup of a teen movie. They have the classic, like getting ready for the prom montage. And we see Chip getting ready and we see like Anita getting ready. And Anita goes to the dance and she spends the whole time looking around being like, where's Jennifer? I've got to find her. She's going to kill someone. And then she's like, oh no, fuck. He, she's going to go kill Chip because he's going to kill Chip to get to me. And so she runs out of the dance. Meanwhile, that's exactly what's happening. So Chip was walking to the dance, but Jennifer intercepts and Jennifer's basically like, hey, you know that Anita was cheating on you the whole time, but actually I was in love with you the whole time. And because teenage boys are the worst and if any girl shows interest in, or if any, you know, person of who, whichever sex you're into shows interest in them, you're immediately like, oh, I'll believe anything you say. (laughs) Basically convinces him to go to this spooky abandoned like pool house. 
Now, then we have that classic, you know, teen movie prom scene of the girl running through the streets in her prom dress. But instead of running towards the person that she should have gone with, she's running towards her ex-best friend who's now a demon who's trying to kill her boyfriend. Sick. So she gets there and she finds Chip with Jennifer and she's basically like, stay away from him. And they have this like real tussle and they ba- they also hash out their friendship and basically Anita's like, you were never a good friend to me. And Jennifer's just like a total bitch. And, and, and Anita's like, you've always been insecure. And it's basically like this like teen movie resolution argument they have. But at the same time, they're fighting. Jennifer reveals she can fly and Chip's like, whoa, she can fly. And Anita's <laughs> like, no, nah, she can only hover. It's not that special. Anyway... <laughs> They're having this fight and Chipper manages to impale her with like a pool cue. Yeah. And she has this line there where she's like, do you have a tampon? <laughs> because she's just pulled out this pool cue. And Anita's like, what? No. And she's like, oh, it looked like you might be plugged. And then jumps out the window and escapes. So finally, 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 it's sometime later And we cut to Jennifer's bedroom and she must have like eaten again because she's back to normal. She's just sitting on her bed. She's looking through the yearbook and she's circled a couple of dudes with the words yummy. And I think, you know, what's what's interesting is the flip where it's like that would have been a trope where it's like she's, you know, into these dudes, but she actually just wants to eat these dudes. Anyway, we then see Anita through the window in a very scary scene and she like leaps through the window and she gets on top of Jennifer and she's she, and she reveals she's brought this like box cutter, and she's like, "I'm gonna fucking kill you because you're never gonna do this again. You killed my boyfriend, and because it's revealed she actually did like kill Chip in the in the fight." And so at this point, Jennifer's like, she's on top of Jennifer, so Jennifer like levitates off the bed, and they're both flying. Jennifer goes to bite her, and so then. Uh, then Needy tries to stab her, but Jennifer can hold her arm back. So there's this weird moment where uh, Needy grabs the best friend's forever pendant that you know they shared from around her neck, snatches it off. Jennifer falls to the bed as if there was some power in that. And then Anita just stabs her through the neck with this box cutter. And that's it. Jennifer's dead. But then Jennifer's mom comes in the room and is like, what the fuck? And all she sees is Anita over Jennifer's body with a fucking bloody box cutter. Jennifer dead. And then we then cut back to the present because obviously she's been, you know, convicted for the murder of her best friend. She's been sent to jail. But we then see that while she's in solitary confinement, as she's narrating, Anita says... Turns out from my studies that if you get bitten by a demon and you don't die, you get some of their powers and you see that she's been levitating the whole time. She kicks her way through the window and she makes her way out of the um, insane asylum. And at this point, I'm like, well, okay, well, that's the end of the film. Cool. She's the next bad guy. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. So we cut to her walking down the street and she sees a drain where all of a sudden all of these ping pong balls come out of the drain and then a knife comes out of the drain and it's like, oh fuck, this is where the devil's yeah. kettle leads. It leads here. Here's the knife that they use to sacrifice Jennifer. She picks it up and she's like, sick, this is my weapon. She starts hitchhiking. She gets in a car with this dude, Lance Erickson, who was in that 90s series Millennium. I don't know if you remember. It was kind of like an X-Files. Anyway, he's been in heaps of stuff. He's like, where are you going? She's like, I'm off to see a band. He's like, oh, wow, are they any good? And she's like, it's actually their last performance tonight. (laughs) As the car goes off, we pass a road sign that says low shoulder. And I just realized it's like, it's a road sign. That's where it comes from. Anyway, over the credits, we then cut to low shoulder who are like massively successful because they made a deal with Satan. And through their like home videos that they're shooting in the room, we see that uh, Anita shows up with the knife and just brutally kills them. <laughs> now, 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 now. Now, the film was named after a classic whole song called Jennifer's Body. So the whole film, I was so fucking over the, like, the naughty's emo because I'm like, play some fucking whole, please play this song. Like, <laughs> the, like I'm like, fuck. If you caught a, a like, like, a movie... There is a, there is a film called This Must Be The Place. Yes. And the whole Mm. film, you're like, when are they going to play this? Like, you can't concentrate on it. You're like, when the fuck are they going to play this song, right? So this film 
The whole time, I'm like, when are they going to play Jennifer's Body? And when it finally gets to the credit, the opening lines of a whole song kicked in. I'm like, it, it was like catharsis. It was relief. I was like, yes, oh my God. And I've been enjoying this film, but that's been a niggle. And I'm like, yes, thank God they're playing it. It was only halfway through the song. I'm like, this isn't Jennifer's Body. Like, what the fuck? This is another whole song. Like, it pissed me off so much. But apart from that, fuck i loved this film i loved the like the flip i love the like the plot peach tell me what you thought about jennifer's body i want to see this movie i feel like this is a modern classic i'm i'm having heaps of fun thinking about it i love that there were like a lot of flips and that and that and that we were sort of having an adventure along the way like the the motivations of low shoulder the like the adrian brody or adam brody or whatever his name is sort of being sinister nonetheless but not the sort of sinister you thought um, I, I, I sort of like the superpower showdown at the end. Um, bit of an epilogue, Shag. Like I think it's the best one we've done. Well, it's not quite Babadook level, but I think it's maybe the funnest since Dream Warriors, perhaps. All right. I just want to say once again, thank you so much to Ruby Rose Miles for submitting this one. Thank you for everybody else who's been submitting suggestions. We are going to get through them in the coming weeks, so they are coming. Now, um, um, now that now that Reshes are actually sending us stuff, which I presume will be a regular thing, so thanks, thanks, thanks for that. We are now sponsored, and I just need to um, just discuss with you the sort of, you know, what are the parameters of selling out now that we've sold out? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are the things we have to do to continue to have sold out? Gooey, like, is there anything we need to attend to, or? <laughs> Or anything like that. In all seriousness, I do mm. want to say big ups to Hugh from Rushes for sending us a couple of cases. That is amazing. Peach, I'm so glad we could finally fulfill your dream. We're going to have to start thinking of some new dreams after this. Once yeah. again, uh, please follow us on Insta. Find us at Spooko. Send us your requests there for things. Um, please review us on uh, iTunes if that's yeah. where you listen to us or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called now. I think the name iTunes has been officially like put down, but fuck, like whatever. Please send it like give us a like give us a review yeah give us a beer <laughs> spooker uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios please like subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can and Reshes what's up